faith will set your mind, and it will set your mind to seeking. This nation's days are numbered, but God says He's got something eternal for you. The desire for spiritual growth through Christ-mindedness. Insights on biblically-inspired faith consciousness and how the virtue of Christ helps us relate to the world around us. Welcome to the Spiritual Renewal Podcast with your host, George Vasquez. So if you thought about it just real quick, okay, off the top of your head, and I asked you a question, what would you rather do? Ride on a train, dance in the rain, or feel no pain? It's an interesting question because each element there has a different kind of a feeling to it. On a train, you're going somewhere. If you're dancing in the rain, you're joyful, you're happy. If you want to feel no pain, that means you're in pain. Some of us are not in, in such pain that we want to feel no pain. In fact, some of us want to dance in the rain because we don't feel any pain. Some of us maybe feel some pain, but we'd rather ride a train, get out of Dodge, go somewhere else, move forward. Yeah, there's a lot of different perspectives of looking at those things, but I think the number one response is feel no pain. Definitely. Why? Because we felt so much pain. So much pain. For millions of people, despair is not a moment. It's a way of life. Just as joy for millions of Christians is not a momentary lapse into fantasy, but it is a posture by which he or she focuses all his existence. A posture by which he or she focuses all his existence. That's a level of joy that is like off the charts. It's, it's a, an extreme state of happiness. It's not... You know, people just train themselves to hurt. I hurt, I hurt, I hurt, oh, poor, pitiful me. I'm in pain. I have needs. I have wants. I, 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 I. On the other flip side of that, then there's praise. Open your Bibles to Psalm 42. It goes like this, as a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been food day and night while they continually say to me, where's your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me for I used to go with the multitude, and I went with them to the house of God, with voices of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept 
a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill of Mizar. Deep calls into deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me. Prayer to the God of my life. I will say to the God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while you say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. A countenance is the way you wear in your face. In uh, Genesis, it said that Cain's countenance fell. He became very sad. There's a certain sadness here. These verses do speak of certain amount of sadness. But at the same time, while it's a prayer... The writer is also talking to himself. So he's praying to God and then he's talking to himself. And he's praying to God and he's talking to himself. He's asking himself this certain question is, why do I feel the way I feel? I know you're there. I know you have a purpose for me in my life. I know you're a God of hope, 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 not just wishful thinking, but an assured future promises so there's some legitimacy to the feelings that we feel because the Bible tells us that you know other people have felt really bad in their lives there's certain things that happen along the along the line and we find either success or failure we start finding either hope or hopelessness it gets worse or it gets better some people end up hating life. Some people love life. Can't get enough of it. Two sides. So a question might be then, where's my faith? Where are you, God? I'm facing a set of circumstances in my life that so difficult, so hard to deal with. It brings pain. It hurts. I want to feel no pain. Don't feel like dancing in the rain or riding a train. It hurts so bad. And then a lot of times, it's all revolving around the, the, the concept of guilt and forgiveness. If you're feeling shameful and guilty, you're not feeling forgiven. Faith has a lot to do with it. You say to yourself, what is faith? Do I have faith? Now, I can imagine Jesus walking along reaches down he goes like this all his disciples gather around and he says see this you have faith 
like this mustard seed, you'll be able to move mountains. And they're all looking at it. The interesting thing about a seed is that when it's planted, when it's watered, when it's fertilized, it grows. And mustard plants aren't little plants. They grow big. The stalk on a mustard plant can be as large as a tree trunk and can be taller than some of the other trees. Huge, able to, to nest hundreds and hundreds of birds. Faith grows. So maybe the disparage that you feel or the sadness, the countenance that has fallen, the, the uh, feeling of hopelessness comes from the fact that your faith isn't really growing. It's not growing. You know, there's a moment in, in time where, you know what? You get convinced. This is the truth. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. I'm giving it over. I'm, but it doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit will convict your heart into making such a, a promise to God, such a commitment to Him. Holy Spirit will do that. But it's more than just a matter of reasoning in your mind. Well, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. He must exist. Therefore, there must be a heaven. There must be a hell. I don't want to burn in hell. I need some fire insurance, so I need to get saved. That's reasoning. That's human reasoning. Faith is not something that you can go out and obtain, work at, and say, you know what, I'll figure this out. I know what faith is. I can figure out what my faith is. I will learn how to have faith. You can't do that. Faith is something that's given to you. God gives it to you. He gives it to whom He chooses. You're chosen. If you have faith, you recognize that you're chosen by God. There's a lot of uh, examples in Scripture. You've got uh, Peter. He denies Christ three times. Did that mean he had no faith? You would think that if someone's going to go to the extreme of saying, I don't know who Jesus is, that Maybe they don't have faith. But yet, you know, after the resurrection, the first thing that the angels said is, go tell Peter, quick. The first thing that happened after that third cock-a-doodle-doo was Peter wept bitterly. The Spirit of God convicted his heart. He recognized his sin. So you can't tell me that he didn't have faith. Otherwise, he would have never done that. He must have had faith. It must not have been very big faith at the time to deny Christ three times in a row. But yet, we can't say he did not have faith. And, you know, I, and yet I've heard it said by disciples that have been and gone and been and gone, backslidden, try to make it back to the church, backslidden again, and I've heard it say, I don't know if I have faith. I don't know where my faith is. I think maybe I lost my faith. 
I, I don't think I ever had faith to begin with. So faith is a very uh, important element to understand. You want to know that you have faith because if you know that you have faith, that means you know that God has chosen you. You know that you're a child of God. You know that all the promises that He holds out to you are going to be faithful and true and to God's Word. You have a whole world that opens up to you. Without faith, that all collapses. None of it means anything. There's some things that are important in life, and one of those things is the idea that God does exist. It starts right there. Well, we're going to look at some, we examine some verses here. I wanted to start in Acts. And just real quickly, Acts chapter 11, verse 18, it says there, when they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So there's a certain part of repentance that goes along with the faith that means glorifying God. You can glorify God by simply admitting that He's the sovereign of the universe, He's Lord of your life, going to Him and saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent. Repentance is more than just asking for forgiveness. It's saying, I'm sorry, but it's not going back and doing it again. It means, I've learned my lesson, Lord. I'm not going to go that route again. I'm not going to make those choices. You know, nine times out of ten, you know why you ended up under those circumstances. You set yourself up. You know those people how they act. You knew those people, what they do, but you chose to go hang with them instead of sharing your testimony and saying, you know what, I have some verses to share with you. That's a protection, by the way. If you find yourself in a situation where you're tempted to go with someone where you know you're going to find yourself in a bad spot, you share a memory verse with them. You let them know that you're a child of God. And God will protect you from that environment. But if you're all happy-go-lucky and, oh, yeah, hey, all right, let's go, it's on. It doesn't show a lot of faith either. Trust me, if you've been doing this a while, you should be making progress. Your faith should be growing. Because faith is progressive. You don't just go at the moment of conversion, you say, I have faith, I'm saved, that's it, I'm done. That's called a minimalist view of salvation. And a lot of Christians today have that kind of view. They figure, you know what, now I got my fire insurance, I'm cool, I can go back to doing whatever I want to do. That's not how the Spirit of God works. When you have faith, it grows. It grows in a very specific direction. Understand what faith is. We know Hebrews 11.1, but it's a substance of things hoped for. So if hope has substance, what substance is that? Yeah, we're talking about faith. There's evidence of things that are not seen. So not only are you growing... You find out that you're growing 
because God produces results. When he has chosen you and given you faith, he produces results through you. Do you find results being produced through you? Do you have faith? If you have faith, it will be growing. Why? Because your faith is in God. Your faith is that you love him. Look, look, look. Second Peter. All right. Late Peter lays it out. And who better to lay it out? This is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times. Now tell me he doesn't know a thing or two about faith. As his divine power is given to all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, who have called us by his glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these they may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith, Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. That's the agape love, by the way. That's God's love. You want God's love in your life. It starts with faith. And it's a progression, a natural progression that leads to the love of God. And it's virtuous. One thing after another. Seven specific elements that Peter lays out that shows how much he loves God. That shows how much he repented because he denied Christ three times that shows how deep his faith is in God now. It shows how his faith has grown. How he's become stronger. There might be a point in your life where you feel so weak that you may actually deny Christ. And you'll go with those people and you won't tell them the memory verse. You won't tell them that you're a Christian. You won't tell them that you're set free. You won't tell them that any of those things. You will be denying Christ. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. Peter is the example. Paul is a great example. He talks about a thorn in his flesh. These are great examples of men of great faith. There are even more examples of that. They understood the difference between the spiritual, eternal realities and had a good grasp on them. You have to have a good grasp of spiritual, eternal realities. That's faith. That means you really believe. That means you know that these realities exist. They're not just some figment of your imagination, some story in a book, some folklore, fairy tales, whatever you want to call them. They're real. They have substance. 
There's evidence of that. Paul outlines evidence right there. He says, if you've got faith, what's going to happen? You'll become diligent. That means you'll become a seeker. You see, a lot of people get the idea, and I've heard of these ministries, they call them seeker ministries. Seeker ministry, what they do out, they, they go out and they evangelize, they look for people that are looking for God. They're seeking to, to have some fulfillment in their life in one way or another. They lead them through prayer salvation. They give them a little booklet, invite them to church. They come to church for a little while, and then they're no longer a seeker now. That's what a seeker ministry does. Paul is saying, be diligent, add to your faith, which means you don't stop being a seeker. You continually seek God. You continually seek him for the rest of all time and eternity. Always. You never stop. It grows. You start seeking him a little bit, then you want to seek him more. You start seeking him more, then you want to seek him even more and more and more and more. And it grows and it grows and you keep going. You keep going. You keep learning. You don't stop. You're diligent, busy at it, at work, always adding to your faith. And then he goes on and he outlines all these various uh, attributes, virtue, knowledge, self-control. How many of us need a little of that? Perseverance, that means being patient, right? Godliness, that means being a good guy altogether, right? Brotherly kindness, that's knowing who your brother is and then going the extra mile to encourage them, lift them up instead of breaking them down and putting them down. Helping them out. Hey, you're working on your homework. How's it going? What are you reading? Let's read together. Let's pray together. Brotherly kindness. And unmerited kindness is at that. It's okay, bro. I don't mind. Don't trip. I'm good. You know, I'm not offended. Don't worry about it. It don't bother. It's not going to bother me. I know we, we all got we all got something going on. See, being tolerant is showing kindness. God knows he's tolerant with us. He puts up with all our little things. We should be able to do that with our brother next to us. And then finally, you understand this unconditional love. This love that is so grand that there, it's unspeakable. It's something that you, in fact, the other way around. This love that is so ground, you could speak on it and speak on it and speak on it and talk and talk and talk about it. You can talk about how God loves you, how God has put that love in you, how, how it's being manifested through you, how God loves you so much that you're doing the things that you know are pleasing to Him. And it's because of the faith that you have in Him. That's Holy Spirit. That's God working through you not because of anything you worked at getting not because of what you wanted to obtain but because god chose you and he wants to work through you it's to his glory his glory 
It's magnifying. It's saying, you know what? You are on high. You're supreme. You're perfect in every way to your glory. Everything is about you, God. It's knowing what God's sovereignty is. It's knowing what the word Lord means. It's like a king, a ruler, the person in charge, the head honcho, the main man, president, the one that answers to all questions and answers truthfully. That's giving God glory. Respecting that. Respecting that and the absolute spiritual realities in the new life in Christ Jesus. Real quick, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. Let's see, chapter 8 of Romans. And here it's really talking about, you know, your emotions, your will. What is your will? Verse, starting with verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Recognize, God is not happy with your sin. He is not pleased with it. However, he is quite pleased when you come to him in repentance. And he is willing to forgive. And not only that, there's more. He's going to put grace upon you. That means imputed righteousness. That means he's going to look at you as in a right standing with him. That means you can actually talk directly to God and He will hear you. Now, isn't that wonderful? So there's five things that tell you that you really do have faith. They're imperative, not indicative, not because of anything that you did. They're imperative, which means that they come with faith automatically. It's part of it. Elements that come with your faith when you get it. The first one is spiritual discernment between temporal and eternal. Spiritual discernment between temporal and eternal. You know what that means? It means that that clock doesn't mean anything to you anymore. What it means is you're not living for today. What it means is you're living for eternal life. You're looking at hope all the way down to the final results. You keep that firm in your mind. That's the hope. It's part of faith. Faith is eternal forever. 
Why worried about, oh, what's going to happen next year? You know what? The entire United States economy is about ready to collapse as we speak. Are you going to be worried about getting a job tomorrow? Maybe. But trust me when I say, this nation's days are numbered. But God says he's got something eternal for you. There's a difference. How do you look at things? Are you looking at everything in the now? This is what I want now. I want to be gratified now. Or are you looking down the road? God wants you to say, you know what? In your mind, if you can think about it, there's progress there. Your faith will progress. You can see in your mind's eye your faith down the road. You see? Eternal vision. These are things I'm saying, do you see? Do you see? Do you see? But it's really something you don't look at with your eyes. You can't look at something down the road with your eyes. Except that you know God promises eternal life. That you can be sure of. So down the road, you know there's eternal life. Now that's hope. And it's a sure hope, not wishful thinking. It's all real. It's part of your faith. Number two, your seeking does not end at conversion. You will continue to be diligent. Your seeking does not end at conversion. You'll continue to be diligent. It's important to understand that. I got a verse for you in Second uh, Chronicles. Chapter 15 of Second Chronicles. I love the Chronicles because you got all these battles. One battle over here, you got uh, Jehoshaphat and Asa and all these different names. History buffs love Second Chronicles. Personally, I can't stand history. Until I picked up the Bible and started reading Second Chronicles. Then, all of a sudden, it became very fascinating to me. And so now, whereas a few years ago, you wouldn't catch me reading a history book, I'm in the history book all the time. It's God's Word. There's nothing but history in here. And it's awesome history. Now check out 2 Chronicles chapter 15. It's this, uh, verse starting with verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. Now I'm just going to give you a little uh, heads up there. The, chapter 15, it's verse 1. The name Azariah, first of all, uh, means to listen to God. Another thing about the name is it's used so many times throughout Scripture. So recognize that this is not just any other Azariah. It's the Azariah son of Obed because there's a lot of Azariahs in the Bible. So you have to identify him It's Azariah Obed. Otherwise, you'll get your Azariahs mixed up. Two. And, he, and there's like, there's like uh, I think, 15, I counted, Azariahs in Scripture. Okay, verse 2. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel has been without a true God and without the teaching priests and without law. 
But when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. They turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, and he was found by them. If you're feeling low in faith, you always seek. You seek the Lord. And you never know what you're going to find. When you're seeking God, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You're seeking God, and all of a sudden, bam! Ooh! He shows up. And all of a sudden, you're going, wow, what was that? And it brings you to your knees. And then you start praying. And this is not a prayer of repentance. This is a prayer of thanks. Thank you, Jesus. You just revealed an important deal here, man. I never got this before. Thank you, God. You want to praise him. Begin to praise him. That's what was happening in Psalm 42. The writer was going back and forth. I want to praise you, but I feel like crap. I keep feeling like crap, and I'm going, where are you? But I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you, but I still feel like crap. Don't doubt there are going to be periods of time where you feel that way. It's going to be that way. You can see it throughout Scripture. Things happen. Battles come. This Azariah, being a prophet of God, is not telling good news. Sometimes, like in Jehoshaphat's case, he's saying, man, there's a big war coming. It's going to be a battle. Well, what does God do? He says, hey, chill for a minute. Let me handle this. Stand back. I got this. Notice uh, chapter 16. Verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. It's always going to be a battle. A battle for those whose heart is not loyal. And I can't tell you how many backstabbers I've heard. You know, on the one hand, you know what? I love you, God. I praise you, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? And then turn completely all the way around the other way. Set their mind on the flesh. Don't want nothing to do with God now. It's a mindset. Faith will set your mind. And it will set your mind to seeking You'll always want to seek God. Whenever you run into trouble, you're going to seek God. And if your heart is loyal, He's going to show you what to do. He's going to direct your paths. If you're being honest and truthful with Him, the little bit of faith is all it takes. Just a little bit of faith. So that's your second point. It's going to be seeking. And then thirdly, is the intimate relationship with God. Faith will cause you to want to get to know God better. It'll make you want to grow closer to Him. It does that. 
Through the process, all of a sudden, you'll start saying, you know what, thank you, God, and wow, I didn't know that. And the next thing you know, you're seeking even harder. You see how the other elements are working together? Your hope gets stronger. You start seeking harder. And now, all of a sudden, your relationship is growing. If you don't feel like your relationship with God is growing, there's a couple of other elements that's probably missing. You're not seeking. You're not seeking God. You're not recognizing uh, his timetable. That the promise is coming at the end. Because a lot of times we want it now, right now, right now. That's a prosperity doctrine. It's an, oh, you know what? I call him Dr. Feelgood, you know. He's got a big church out there in Carolina. Jesus loves you. <laughs> and he wants you to prosper. I'm not going to tell you who I'm impersonating I think some of you guys know. Well, excuse me, but you know what? I read my Bible, and guess what? All these apostles died cruel, horrible, painful deaths. They in one battle after another. If you read Paul's resume, you'll find out he was in danger constantly, shipwrecked, bit by a snake. I mean, everything was going wrong. At the... Do you think it's easy being a Christian and you're just going to... It's going to be a life of roses. No. No. Your faith must be tested. God wants to see your faith grow. How is your faith going to grow if He's just going to bless you and everything's going to be okay? Right? So... Just sit right there and receive the blessings of the Lord. You don't have to do nothing. You don't have to exercise your faith. You don't have to grow in your relationship with God. You don't have to go seek Him. You don't have to uh, understand His promises that are eternal. You ain't going to do none of that. Just relax. It's all going to be blessed to you. Number four, it, faith is bold. Bold. It goes forward. And there are consequences to pay for that. Consequences to faith's boldness. Going back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gibeon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped with mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weaknesses were made strong, became vigilant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had 
a trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. And they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world is not worthy. See, there's a lot to faith. How many of those people do you thought were feeling really prospered? Well, they were. It just had nothing to do with the circumstances that they were facing at the moment. It had to do with the end results. Because they had faith in God, they had an inheritance. Because God was going to bless them. Oh, sure He was. He was going to bless them with everlasting life. See the difference between the temporal and the eternal. The view is towards the eternal. You might have to pay, go through some pain and suffer for a little bit. But guess the end result? God says, and it's for sure, eternal life, salvation is yours. Victory has already been won. And finally, the fifth element being that what we were just talking about. It's the ability to surpass our own expectations. Faith will make you go beyond what you ever dreamed you could ever do. All of a sudden, before Christ, forget it. You would have never thought about that you would be able to memorize a memory verse. You would have never thought that you'd be able to share the gospel with someone else. You would have never thought that you would be able to get up in front of 50 men and give some testimony. You would have never imagined in a million years you would have ever done that. Why? Because faith has got you in a place where you're going beyond your expectations. That's what verses 39 and 40 are telling us. All these having obtained a good testimony with their faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. See, because all the ones that are listed here that talk about their faith, they got included into it. Now we're all one. And so we have the prospect of seeing all these ones at the eternal life together. They got to wait. They had to wait for Jesus. They had to wait for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But it's happened now. It's on. The eternal is now in progress for many of the saints that have risen. So true saving faith convinces us of the reality of God. It makes us sure of His control over our lives. It makes us sure of the future that we have in front of us. It causes us to cling, hold on to, for dear life, His eternal promises. And so if we understand and have the right perspective when the rough times come, 
when the adversity comes, when the circumstances are so painful, it hurts, then we'll be able to realize that there is hope. And that hope represents something very special that's inside your faith. And hopefully you'll recognize these elements and you'll see that they're growing. And one thing after another, whatever it might be, virtue, knowledge, or discernment, self-control, perseverance, or patience, godliness, the closeness with God, and then finally the love of God from Him to you, and then through you, and in you, and then on to others. It's huge what faith can do. If you understand what these elements are doing, you've got faith. If you've got a problem and something is missing and you're feeling lost, then we need to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit will touch those hearts, Father, that are lacking. Father, that spirit of lostness, of hopelessness, that spirit that exists inside the heart that makes us wonder if we are your children. Father, we're asking that your Holy Spirit will convict that heart right now, Heavenly Father, recognizing your eternal glory, that you are real, and that your spiritual realities are something that we can use and hold on to as promises in our life and look forward to a life everlasting with you. We hold you up, Heavenly Father. You are majesty. So perfect and wonderful are you, so holy and just. We're thankful that we have a God like you that has so much love in his heart. Lord, you have so much love for us that you're willing to forgive those ones right now in this room. And Father, we're asking for your forgiveness upon our lives, Lord. We're truly sorry, and sometimes we just don't have the words to express it. Lord, you know, we've been foolish. We've done stupid things. We've been, we're tired of bumping our heads over and over again without you, Lord. We need you. We're asking that you'll continue to work with us. Help us to know where our faith is growing to develop a relationship with you, to continue seeking you, to recognize your eternal promises, even to death, Heavenly Father, that you could be over us and that we can do things that go beyond what we've ever imagined could be done. We're so thankful for that. We know, Lord, that you care enough about us to give us that faith and we're asking for it now, Lord. Grant us that faith. Heavenly Father, mold us into becoming the men of virtue that you've called us to be, Lord God. And accept our love and thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, George. You're welcome. You're welcome. Pastor George Banks. If you like the show, just include us in your feed. Subscribe and turn on notifications for updates. Visit us at virtueeffect.com. At virtue, no L, and effect, all one word, dot com.